All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to this week's episode of Action for Everyone for this year, October 22nd, 2023. I am, as always, your host, Mike Scott, joined this week by a very, very sleepy Vice Victus. Vice, how are you today? Hey, how's it going? Going on, guys? Yes, I got the lazy Sunday going on. It's all good. It's all good. I have to I have to tell you guys, it's very adorable watching Vice because he's rubbing his eyes like he's a big cuddly teddy bear. And I just makes me <laughs> want to give him a hug. Uh, <laughs> I get that a lot, actually. <laughs> and also Liam O'Donnell. Liam, how are you today? How's the soccer? How 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 is everything? Uh it 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 was uh it was well yesterday was my I guess I should say it's a bittersweet for me. This is my last full day uh in California for a bit. And uh so yesterday was my last day watching soccer and uh and dropping my daughter off and and i was just like i just oh, i missed watching that team and i was like going to an atm to get her some cash she's going to friends to see the errors tour con uh you know movie so i i i pulling into the atm and i just all of a sudden go <laughs> i just like burst into tears oh. and she's like are you okay dad and i'm like yeah i'm all right i'm fine and then i just have to go to an atm next to a stranger and just like i had i had my aviators on just like tears going down as i'm doing the atm <laughs> i'm like it's okay it's all right i'm fine uh so yeah it, it's it's uh i'm excited to be uh heading out uh to indonesia tomorrow night but and you get the reality it's just it's a tough time of the year you know we miss halloween thanksgiving and uh not not even sure what the holiday schedule is at this point so yeah it's uh it's it's all it's all uh bittersweet but um but but some some interesting fun times ahead so yeah i don't know did, did i explain that correctly without... you did you did it's just it's just i so rarely get to see dad liam it's very cute when i see dad liam i i i like it it, it, it really uh yeah it's a real it, 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 that emotion sneaks up on you it's just it's uh, just hard to for me to picture like the meathead that's constantly sending us pictures of him flexing, like crying at an ATM because he's going to miss his children. Like I, those two things I can't quite blend in my mind. You can tame multitudes is what I'm saying. <laughs> hey, the, the meathead workout corner of the discord is my journal. No, I'm allowed to do whatever I want there. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Um, so this week we we are kind of throwing something together here at the at a bit of the last minute. We had we had some stuff, we had some stuff scheduled and is is prone to happen. Things changed. So this is gonna be kind of a, a grip it and rip it sort of episode, but we are gonna talk about a couple of things. Um, and uh I think we should just kind of start off with uh Liam and I both had the opportunity to see a screener of the upcoming Olga Kurilenko starring Jesse B. Johnson directed Boudica. Um, I will hold off on my thoughts. I'm going to kick it over to you, Liam, first. Tell us what you thought. Well, I've had a little bit of a history on this one um, because some of the producers that I was working with a version of Skyline Radio last year, if you guys listened to it, had just worked on this movie. And so I got to hear... And I also um, am friendly with um, the director of photography. And so I got to hear a lot of the, the stories of it. And, it, you know, it sounded like it was a really intense production, um, short schedule as, as we, you know, following Jesse's career, we know that tends to be uh, something that 
he has to work with a lot, but does kind of better than everyone. So I didn't really know what to expect, you know, because period is is not the same as something like the debt collectors, or, you know, where you, you got, okay, we're going to go to Jam Jim. Um, uh, and, and just kind of, uh, you know, do a quick fight setup in this boxing ring. Like, yeah, I can understand how you could do that in a, in a quick schedule, but this is a, this is like a, an entirely different thing. Um, and then of course the, the Olga of it all and how well um, he seems to have, have, have this connection with her and to see her in kind of doing this leading role. Um, so I came away just very impressed overall with the production, but also kind of like, it's exactly what DTV is all about. You're getting to see this actor that everybody's a fan of, and we love seeing her pop up in these bigger movies. But in this, it's like when it's centered around her and it's giving her a role that kind of plays to all of her strengths, you get to see her kind of step into this whole other dimension. So yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, I, I found myself thinking about getting killed by an arrow while I was watching it and how pissed off I would be. <laughs> uh, some some nerd sitting there in a tree just whipping a stick at me and that's it. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I'll just I'll just give my quick summary, which is basically I told oh, I, I told uh, Jesse. Jesse's uh, I know I was building up to the intro. Don't, don't, <laughs> Sorry. I was just going to say I, I know. My quick summary is it's Jesse's Excalibur. But to elaborate on that, we have Jesse V. Johnson. Jesse, how are you today? I'm I'm very, very well. Are you able to see me, the picture? Uh, no. Uh, it looks like we don't have video on you. How can I fix that? Is that better? I, we see something. There we are. Oh. Yep, there you are. There you go. That's, that's actually the cupola in Rome behind me, which is... The, the crazy thing is, I didn't notice until I just looked back there, but we actually stole some of the stock footage in Boudicca from the uh, rooftop over there. <laughs> <laughs> we had to remove the crucifix. Um, if you, I don't know if you can see it. Way yeah, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. The crucifix would not be appropriate. Yes. <laughs> I, I had planned on being back at the hotel, but I jumped out here because I realized that trying to go through traffic on a Sunday evening in Rome was going to make me even later to this to this wonderful get together so sorry about the uh ex exterior location but it's sort of quite cool as well yeah it's it's actually very cool and you're sounding you're sounding great you're coming in loud and clear so exactly. uh, we're kind of just somewhat appropriate <laughs> exactly exactly uh my name's mike i'm i'm kind of the host uh over here is is alec he goes by vice uh, you know Liam, obviously. So we're we're just gonna we thank you so much for joining us to this. Um, we know we know you're actually on set over there in Rome. You're shooting something over there, so we appreciate you taking time out of your day to to chat with us a bit. It's my my privilege to be here and share my thoughts on the film and any support this little movie can get. I'm all for. So I'm very happy to be here. Yeah, Liam and I both had the chance to see screeners, so we've we've seen it. Um, Liam was just singing its praises. Um, you know, you have been long a part of this show without being a part of this show. Uh, back before Action for Everyone existed, I was doing a show called Adkins Undisputed, where I was going through each and every one of Scott's movies, and Scott would join me and we'd talk about it. And you have always been like a constant presence on this on this show because. So much of what you do is what we want to talk about, which is basically really? what Liam was just saying. 
and, and I'm going to start the conversation with Boudica by basically saying this. How the fuck did you pull that off for the budget that you have? That is just unreal to me. And you do that time and time again with your movies. That's that's a delightful compliment. I wish I wish we just had a little bit more for Boudicca. It was a, uh, as you guys know, it was a passion project of mine for many years. And I don't know, did you did they send you the uh, the press notes and all that kind of stuff? I don't want to repeat too much if you've already read it. No, no, just I, we just we just got the screener. So, gotcha. This this was a film that I'd wanted to make for years and years, decades. Uh, my daughter, who's seventeen, bless her soul, her middle name is Boudicca. Uh, it was it was something that I felt a great affinity for from a young age. My mother took me to see the Thomas Thornycroft statue, which is right outside of, it's beside Big Pen and opposite across the street from the Houses of Parliament, which gives you a small idea of how important the British placed her in their sort of historical context. Uh, during the Victorian era, there were obviously a lot of misogynistic men around who, who, who didn't care for a, a woman leader and they needed to find someone in history as an example of a woman that had, had led the British, you know, in, in time of crisis. And so Boudicca was brought up as a sort of propaganda thing around about the Victorian times. And so there's wonderful statues there. And, you know, they found writing by, by Tacitus, you know, who's almost writing from the time, almost first person, maybe 25, 35 years after she was killed, he was writing. So you, it's very rare that you have a Celtic hero uh, uh, written about in this way because the Celts didn't have any form of writing. So... You know, it was it, they're usually just lost to the to time or to sort of legend. So it's it's quite exciting. Uh, for some reason, I found an affinity for it, and and this sort of magical sort of you know thing just kept going through the whole thing. You know, we planned to shoot all over England. I'd gone to Wales and looked at Wales. We ended up in Suffolk at a school friend of mine's had a huge farm there, which just happened to serve very very well. You know, it looked it looked like an ancient wooded forest. Uh, it, it was only after we'd sort of finished filming there we realized we were 20 miles from Colchester which is Culloden which is the first Roman occupied city that she burned to the ground so she could have literally galloped around the fields that we were filming in you know uh, he's found lots of little Roman trinkets and things over the years that they've been plowing so it, there was this amazing sense of, of making sure I, I looked after her reputation and I think that so a very long answer to your question that sort of made me push that little bit extra on this one, push harder, get more out of the dollar. You know, we just kept filming until people literally had to drag me off the set on this one. It was uh, it was insanity, but I really, really hope some of that has made it to the screen. And, uh, you know, we're in an era of, of enormous, enormous pictures that are beautifully finished with millions and millions of dollars spent on CG. And I've, I've just got to hope that there's some sort of uh, desire still to look at a film that's handmade, you know? That's, that, that contains all the same amount of passion, if not more passion, I can't speak to that, but, but, but has a much more handmade, hand-sculpted, tailored, bespoke feel to it. So I'm hoping that's what people will dig about the picture. Uh, certainly it's, it's very personal. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I completely got that, in that. I mean, there's a million little like craft questions I wanna get in and ask you about, but. I, I guess the other big question is, is if you've been making this for this many years, at what point did you know that Olga was your Boudicca? Well, you know, you, you, have a, you have a film, a story that is predominantly female-led. There's only a handful of actresses that'll, that'll kick that, you know, into gear. So it, it had basically been on my shelf, you know, how often do you run into an actress that can play Boudicca? It's a very, it's a two, two, there's two parts to her. She, you know, you have the queen who's, who's a mother, who's very much like a Beverly Hills mum. 
you know, a housewife. She gets her nails done and her hair and is looking for interesting material in clothing and, you know, all the latest fashions. And, as you know, her cares in life revolve around looking after her children, making sure they get the best and uh, looking good and being a good wife, you know. And then you have the other side of the coin, which is this manic, driven, almost possessed warrior woman who's been scarred up and, you know, you know, uh, dragged through the, the ringer and, and lives only to pay back, you know, in the most visceral, bloody, uh, violent way on the perpetrators of, of the crime. So it, it's a very complex part. You know, you, it, not every actress was born to play that. Uh, and I'd worked with Olga on White Elephant, a little film we shot in Tifton, Georgia. And I really liked her. There was something about her. She really just kicked ass. You know, she she came to set on very short notice. She'd flown in. I think she'd been awake for 24, 21 hours. Uh, stared her to the set and, and she looked at me and said, I, I, I've just had a look at the script now. I do apologize. I haven't slept. Have you got anything really strong? What's the strongest coffee you've got? And let's get to it. And I love that attitude. And from that point on, we just got along very well. She has an incredible sort of can-do uh, mindset. She looks incredible on camera. And uh, and she has a, you know, she she is a mother and a very good mother, but she's also, uh, a, you know, she also has that feisty, fiery Ukrainian side to her that'll, that'll absolutely stand for what she believes in. So, you know, after working on White Elephant, I knew that I had, the Budokan, you know, that I needed. And, and from that point on, it became about putting the script together, finishing it because I, I it had languished for a long time, you know, ending at that sort of second act because I didn't really know how to write that. Uh, you know, that's where all of the past versions of Budokan sort of fallen apart. And how do you depict this act that really no one should see or want to see on film ever? You know, how do you make that cinematic? How do you work it into your story and not lose the audience? So all of, all of, that sort of came the summer after working with Olga and realizing that there was potentiality of making this thing, you know, and actually having it happen. Uh, I'd also made a film called Hell Hath No Fury, which dealt with a, you know, very driven sort of powerful female and, and, and enjoyed the process on that. And, and, and so I knew I had that ability. That was sort of like a trial run for Boudicca, you might say, with lovely Nina Bergman and, uh, you know, a World War II setting instead of a, uh, you know, instead of a uh, Roman one. Uh, Jesse, Jesse, we did like a two-hour episode uh, talking about how much we all loved Hell Hath No Fury. You don't have to explain that one to us. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah we, we, I, I, I love you guys already. <laughs> yeah, we Why uh, have I not been here before. <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, yeah, we, we had, we had, we actually had Bernhard on to talk about it, and we did. We, we loved that movie. Um, I am well I'm known. Such a fan I, of Daniel Bernhardt. I got to tell you, he's one of my favorite actors to work with. I, I, I you know, he's he's brilliant. I just hope he enjoys a massive renaissance, you know, a, 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 you know, a second, a second go around because he deserves it so much. And he's so good to work with. He looks great on camera. No one moves like him physically either. He's like a, it's like a, well, you know, I mean, he and Scott, they have, they're very different ways of moving. Scott's got this brutal, very, very powerful, almost sort of like turbocharger. Whereas, whereas Daniel's got this, you know, amazing kind of animalistic, kind of way of moving i'd love to put them in a picture together when you, you guys would like that i'm sure yes absolutely yes, absolutely we've, we've all been we've all been dreaming of that one collectively yeah. so yeah we we that. uh i'm i'm actually well known on record as kind of being <clears throat> maybe the biggest olga karolenko fan in the world she is she is un <laughs> she is unironically my favorite actress scott is yeah, unironically right. my too. favorite actor and 
this is such a great role for her. Well, first, when I heard she was cast and you were doing it, I was like, well, that's perfect. And uh, this is such a great role for her in terms of showing exactly the reason why she's my favorite actress. Um, Thank you so much. And I agree with you 100 percent. I've said it. I've said it to Olga. She 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 tells me to shut up and go away. But I, but I, I have said I would absolutely if push came to shove and someone said you can only direct films with Olga Kurylenko for the rest of your career. I wouldn't be the slightest bit worried. I'd be completely happy. I'd be like, you know, Joseph von Sternberg and Marlin Dietrich. I'd, I'd, I'd pack up my directing tools when it was done. You know, that that's fine. She's she's wonderful to work with. It was an honor to work with her. She brought it every single day. And, it, and and this was a bloody hard shoot. I don't know if you guys know much about shooting. I'm sure some of you have been on, worked on film sets, but it's this one was brutal. It was everything that went wrong behind the scenes in terms of uh, logistics did did go wrong. It was it was was pretty trying and uh, for all of us and she just was there right next to me through the whole thing you know 100% ready to 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 get in and do it and, and make it work whatever it was and uh for that I'll forever be thankful to her the whole cast were really good Nick Moran was very very good as well and very you know very much a part of getting it done the cast of myself and the DP you know it was it was us against the world for this you know for this one <laughs> anyway you guys don't need to know all of that because you know it's it's sort of I, I I'm always against putting these huge sort of disclaimers on movies. Oh, this only costs that much or anything. Because at the end of the day, we have to find our feet against those films, whether or not you know the budget is 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 the same or or not is irrelevant. It's you know, but I but I think I think she was wonderful. I think uh, she's the right one to play the role, and it was it was awesome working with. Her. I'm so pleased you love her. Actually, yeah. Jesse. Uh, I'm, you mentioned well first of all again we're also a big fan here as well but you, I actually think the part of our audience does want to hear these um these nuts and bolts the trials and tribulations because part of it is um uh well here I'm gonna kind of we'll smoke of you for a second I just saw you know the Martin Scorsese film recently or just yesterday and people talk about directors having great runs and you you know like in the past five six years or so I mean, there's everything from debt, collect debt collectors to Hell Half of Fury the deck uh you know uh actually man you have this like great run of films and but like it's almost you're you're in a special place among the kind of dtv small lower budget film end but you do so much with what the resources you have so i think yes actually part of us a lot of us want to know like um what how are you what's kind of the secret or the key for you to accomplish so much in, in with a short limited resources or limited time like uh well, I guess what's your secret to being a director uh, for what you do? Because uh, you know some people get all the money in the world and they crap movies, but you know you 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 put out hit banger after banger, and like it's 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 all co comes together so well. So like, uh, what's your kind of your your I don't know your, your focus or your drive as you direct? Like how how does how does your gears turn with that? Well, I'm not I'm not a terribly intellectual human being. <laughs> uh, and I think that works in my advantage in that I just absolutely do not realize that I'm making anything other than an enormous movie that's going to be the greatest film that I've ever made. And I do that <laughs> over and over. And I put every ounce of energy, everything I can get, everything I can steal, every little mm -hmm. prop that I might have bought over the years that I have in my collection or antique or investment. I'll drag it out and throw it on the screen. Every friendship every contact that I've made in the business, I will burn every single one 
to get that one film that I'm working on at that moment in front of me and make it the best that it possibly can be. Uh, their DTV or, or B movie, I I never see it that way. I've never I've never entered it into a film. You know, uh, uh, Boudicca has a theatrical release, so it's not theoretically mm-hmm. a DTV movie. Uh, yeah. As did One Ranger had had a very very uh, pleasant little theatrical release and did very good business for Lionsgate. Uh, this one is going out to Saban. And then uh, Cheaper Station is a far, far bigger movie, which I have coming out at the end of the year. And then with uh, Flyberg, we're, we're developing a picture with Liam Neeson, and that's a completely different size. So these pictures are growing exponentially. Uh, but regardless of that, I have never thought of any of these films as anything other than the absolute best film it possibly can be for me. And it's, it's going to be the one that, that breaks, you know, the, the, the barrier and it's going to be the one that everyone notices. And you have to go into that with that. You can't be cynical. You can't hold back. You can't save one scene. You know, you're going to put another movie. I'm not going to have this actor in this movie because I'm saving them for another. You just throw it all at that film. Uh, you know, for example, in Boudicca, they said, look, you've got scale for all of the cast other than, uh, the Vikings team and, and and Olga and I'm like that's not going to work you know uh, we want Nick Moran we want uh, Rita Tishingham we want James Faulkner so I paid whatever was on top of scale which in most cases is about four times what scale is so I think it, you know and I paid for that I don't care <laughs> it's like this is this is what you do to make the film bigger and uh, you know over time you know I was faced with days where the crew I was told the crew cannot go into overtime because we didn't have the money for it. And so I said, how much is it? I took my checkbook out <laughs> and we did an hour's overtime a couple of times on the movie. This is what you do. You, you put everything at it. What are you going to do? You're going to count your money later on with a bad movie. You're going to, you're going to try and get another movie with a bad movie. You, you just can't do that. So you put every ounce of your soul, everything you've got into that film and you just make it as best as you possibly can be, whether it's avengement, you know, the car hit that they have in the trailer. It made a trailer in Avengement where the little girl gets, the old lady gets hit by the car. That's me with a wig on. And we shot it in Sherman Oaks. <laughs> we reversed the film so that, you know, the car was on the English side of the road. If you look very closely, I've got my direct, my favorite palladiums on. And you can see my beard as well, which is pretty terrible <laughs> with, the, with the wig. But my point is, I'll get hit by a car. I'll shatter the windshield. The most funny story, the most funny part of that story was you should have seen the rental car place when I took the car back with the body shape across the windshield. <laughs> you know, was a, the, the port, they bought, they, when I, I went in to fill in the paperwork and when I came out, there were six of the, uh, whatever it was, the, the, the Avon people standing around the car staring at it because it was literally my body shape in a fetal position on the windshield. <laughs> and they're like, what happened? Oh my God, what happened? And I said, I was driving and a bag of something heavy came off on the freeway. <laughs> I, I kept it as brief as possible and got out of there. But my point is, you, I don't recommend this. And I definitely don't recommend doing car hits. This is what my past career was. I did many, many car hits as a stuntman. Uh, I'm no longer a stuntman. But, but... Well, that, we said we could have done a whole podcast with you just about your stuntman career. You know, like, you know, we, we're, we're going to need to have you back on is the point, because there's so much anytime, that we could go through. You've said so many lovely things. But, <laughs> but the point is, you put every ounce of yourself into these pictures, you know, whether, whether it's Avengement, whether it's Boudicca, whether it's, you know, Savage Dog. I had people on Savage Dog saying, what are you doing? Why, why are you doing a Scott Atkins movie? Uh, you know, you're, you're, you're a festival director. I, I've done Beautiful Ones and Charlie Valentine, which had won vast amounts of festivals. And But, I mean, you do festival movies, and you end up after a year and a half on the festival circuit, 
and you owe you owe money to everyone because you haven't made any money while you've been doing the festival and it's great you've got these plastic gold plated things on your but they mean utterly nothing uh so i went off into this scott movie even even i was married at the time and my, my ex-wife you know she's like why are you do i looked up this guy what on earth are you doing you know it was the greatest single decision of my entire career it completely rejuvenated my career it it did a lot for him i think i don't you know i have no idea i'd like to think it did but it did immense amounts for me with savage dog into uh triple threat into debt collectors into avengement into debt collectors it was a wonderful wonderful run and he and i are great friends still we'll find something else to do but it's like you know you just put everything into these films you don't you don't ever plan to make a, a lower rent movie and i i think as i say i'm not the most intellectual of directors i know that i i didn't finish high school i'm an autodidact i've read a tremendous amount of biographies uh, and worked with some great directors uh and that that has been my schooling uh and i think it's protected me in many ways from from overthinking and sort of make you know sort of skipping out on on films because they didn't seem like they would be anything amazing but but if you put your heart and soul into it i gotta believe that something worthwhile comes out you know yeah, I mean, um, you know, when I, I met you on Chief of Station and we did the long Zoom and you did the breakdown of all the VFX that we were doing, I was kind of blown away by just how insanely singular your focus was. And I could tell you had like three other things happening in the background, but you just went through every single shot with me. You know, we, we, we got through every single piece of information that you needed. You answered every single question that we would need. And it was like, you know, a lot of the times I've when I've worked with other directors on VFX or even just when I've produced other directors or anything, it's like they're kind of fucking around with their phone. They're just they're, they're kind of like not always locked in. And this is like 100 percent drive locked in. I could tell as soon as you finish that, like you are done, you are on to the next thing. And like like since that meeting, you've already like shot two movies. So uh, Liam, I think I was you're, correct. You're you're a glorious human being for saying such lovely things about me. Uh, I, I love working with you. I thought that I think the CG for that picture is fantastic. Very, very happy with it. Oh, uh, thank you. I think honestly, what you're interpreting as laser focus uh, is me trying to focus on something I'm not very good at and doing my very best. <laughs> uh, as, as disappointing as that may sound, it's no, it's no, no, no. No, uh, you, but, you, but, you are but, locked in. You're a locked in man. Are you even right no, now I, on this interview? We've had interviews with other directors and they're floating through it. You're bang, bang on. My, my uh, I, I think it serves, you know, I, I, I've, I've analyzed this of myself a lot because I disappoint myself when I forget things. I can't, I've never been able to remember lines or anything like that. Uh, uh, you know, I, I have to, you know, I, I know the general gist of things and how they have to be. And I understand that. And it's really disappointed me and because I work with fabulous actors, really incredible actors, some actors that will learn the whole script, their part and other people's parts. Uh, you know, people like Ross McCall, who just just blow me away with with their abilities and, and, and name actors who are, who are fantastic as well. You know, some of them are great. Some are not so great. But and I, I, I beat myself up as to why I can't. And I realize that in many ways, it's the fact that I can't keep up, that I am struggling so often. And I know I'm struggling. So you push yourself just that little bit harder. You kick yourself in the pants. And the scene has to entertain me every time because I've forgotten what went on in the, in the last take a lot of the time. So it's like I, I, I want to be surprised by it. It needs to sound like it's not written. 
And I, and I think a lot of the time that makes a better director. I've read up on the John Huston's on the Kili Kazan, well, Kazan knew everything that was going on. But some of my favorite directors had the same affliction. It was an inability to to have great, such a, you know, a, they don't have a photographic memory. They have the opposite to that. It's not dementia. That, that, that's not, <laughs> I've also worked with actors with that. But, but it's a, uh, but it's a need to be continuously surprised by what's going on. And that forces me to push the actors just that little bit harder and to trick them into doing something different each take. So it, 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 it does entertain me. And I, I, if anything, that's been something that's been enormously helpful to me with actors. You know, uh, I, I, if I had to break down what it was, I think people like about my work is that the performances are just fun to watch. You know, Scott does his best work with me, I think, personally. Uh, you know, I, I like it a lot. He's a great actor, but I, but I don't think the other directors trick it out of him. I, I get up, I get really frustrated by his performances in a lot of the films I've seen recently. It's like, dude, you can do better. What what are you doing? You know, but it's fine. It's okay, and people still love him, and they love it. His physicality is is off the charts, and you know that's what a lot of them are there for. But you know, I I really like working with actors, and Olga is one of the best and you know, out there. And I'm, I I hope that what we've done on this one, what she's done gets noticed. You know, I really, really hope that what, how she played the two parts and how differently they're played, you know, that people, you know, can are able to get over the fact that it's not a hundred million dollar film, but it is something that all of the people involved have put their heart and soul into it. And Olga's pulled this, this amazing kind of ace out of the hole and you've, you've got you've got something really special happening so i hope people see it for that and really dig it you know i actually had a tweet the other day after i saw Boudica. i put a picture of scott from avengement next to olga from from Boudica, and i said hey if you're an action star and you want to have a career highlight performance let jesse v johnson give you scars and metal teeth and you're halfway there like like oh good god is that is that one still up is the tweet still up i i, yeah. I want that i want to put that on my my social yeah. media yeah it is it brilliant is. um you know, you know what I didn't. You know what I didn't notice with the similarities between Avengement and Boudicca until I was being interviewed the other day, and it's like, oh my god, that's terrible. I, I, but it, but it, but it kind of makes sense. It, it makes perfect this. sense. Yeah. yeah. And, and one of the things I I wanted to to compliment you on too. One of the ways that I think for people like us that pay a lot of attention to this stuff, we know uh, all those things that you just said. We know your actors fill them too because you have a a filmmaking family essentially you have you know constantly you have jonathan hall shooting your movies you've got guys like scott and nick moran and and you know and and ray stevenson and 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 may he rest in peace and you know you've got all these actors that come back to you again and again and again and again um dominic all the way back to dominic vandenberg you know you have these guys that just seem to love working with you and that to me is always the sign of a director that whether he thinks he knows what he's doing or not knows what he's doing because actors are fickle little bitches and they will not <laughs> continue to work with a director that doesn't yeah. make them look good and make them feel good on set. So, you know, we always, no. comp we always compliment you on how well you stretch your budgets, but I also think you need to be complimented on how well you take care of the people that you work with. And, and that's just obvious with how much they love to work with you. Uh, means a lot. It really does. And I, I love my cast and I think they know I love them. They, they, you know, it's for me, it's the challenge of, of reading the room 
but on an individual level, you know, trying to figure out what it is that makes each one of them tick, what they need to do their best work. And, and honestly, so there are, you know, some just need to be left alone. Some want to talk to you and tell you their life story. They don't want to hear anything you have to say. And others want to hear your take on the, you know, on, on the story. And, and, you know, oftentimes I'll, you know, I can see an actress having struggling. They're looking at me, the eyes are slightly distant and you're like, oh God. So I'll act the part out and I'll do it. And I, and I always say, whatever you do, don't do it like I did it. But hopefully this may knock you in a certain direction. You may pinball off me up my performance and you'll figure out something that may work for you. And, and the one thing you have to learn as a director is humility, because a lot of time you'll say, I have this wonderful idea for this. And they'll go, no, 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 that's terrible. That's terrible. But it has, but it's, but it's caused them the little electromagnetic shock that's gone off in their cerebellum. And now they're off on a direction and it was just what they needed to get pushed. And you have to, you know, you, you can't take that personally. And I've long since stopped taking it personally because whatever it is that inspires them to get excited is going to make your movie look good and make you look good. So I, I do it all the time and I, I don't mind. I'll jump on the ground, you know, I'll, I'll act the part out and scream and yell and shout. And I think, I think they like that. You know, I think, I think they find, they, 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 and also the other thing I'll do is I'll stand by the camera and watch this stuff. And it's amazing how few directors do that now. I, I've, now I've worked with a few others and it's, it's like, you have to be there. You're the audience. You've got to be in, yeah. you know, you've got to be there for them. If, 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 they're, if they're good, you've got to tell them they're good. If they're not so great, you've got to say, well, what is it? What is it we're going for here? Why, why, why is it not, you know, what can we do to make, you know, and, and they can see that and you start building on it. It becomes a collaboration. Even if it isn't a collaboration, it's them doing all the hard work. It feels like it. And, and, and that just takes some of the honus, some of the weight, some of the responsibility off them. And I think you allow them to do, you know work that way and it's it's good it's it's sort of it's interesting how how many of them say oh you're the first director we work with it stands that close <laughs> and listens you know and is part of it and you're like really i mean but anyway it is what it is and i don't want to talk about you know anything anyone else does in a negative way because that's not fair and you know my film my films are still growing and, and trying to get where i want them to be but but i but i am but I am very, very proud of this picture. I've got to say, guys, uh, it was a, there's a lot of me in it, and I'm hoping people dig it. It's just, you know, such a nerve-wracking thing putting a picture out there now, isn't it? When it's so small and, you know, uh, well, there you go. Um, I have one, one very off-the-wall question, really quick. Is uh, is since you guys have gone back years, you've known each other for years. Is Dominic Vandenberg as intense as he looks on screen? Because that man actually terrifies me. <laughs> uh, when I first met him, and I met him on a film called Mortal Kombat, I was a, a, a set PA on that film. Uh, we shot, it was one of the first things I did in uh, Los Angeles. It's before I, you know, I, I desperately didn't want to follow the family tradition of doing stunts. I wanted to prove I could somehow operate on my own. Uh, so I did a lot of films as a, as a PA and an AD, a, a second second, a crowd AD and all that kind of stuff. And Mortal Kombat was one of those. And I ran him, into him on that. I'd always had an obsession with the French Foreign Legion. I thought it was a very interesting subject matter. It was a I'd march and die and, you know, Beaugest and all that sort of stuff. And I was chatting with him because he was in, he's an incredible martial artist. He was very intense. And he, he was in second rep, which is the special forces, the Green Beret, par, you know, paratrooper uh, uh, section of the French Foreign Legion, the elite of the elite. Uh, and he's just a very interesting cat. He's lived the life that most people wouldn't dare sort of dream of. It's, it's, it's incredible and, and, and a, a very down to earth fellow. And I found him very inspiring. You know, 
I'd, I'd, I'd have lunch with him and then come home and write like crazy. And, and that character would sort of find his way into the work. You know, I've, I've, I, I started working in films at 15, you know, actually younger, carrying, carrying stunt bags at 14 and storyboarding at 14, but really earning my living at 15, 16 years old as a PA, I'd left school and I, you know, I was out there. So I've never, my life, if you subtract movies, you know, doesn't, doesn't amount to, you know, worldly experiences of traveling the world and doing stunts, but beyond that. So running to people like Dominic, you've actually had this real world experience as a special forces operator, a mercenary, a bare knuckle fighter. I found it very interesting. And so for a long time, you know, for a long time, we, we worked together and did the short films and, you know, teasers, we did a feature together, which we sold and, uh, our past, you know, I, I became, you know, I, I liked the fellow an awful lot. He was the best man at my wedding. Uh, he's he's softened a lot with age, but it's still there. The fire is still there. You know, he's had a child now. He's got a, he's very happily married. Uh, and it, and it, but but the you know the the uh, that essence of of warrior is still there. He's completely unpredictable uh, on set, which I love. You, you never know what he's going to do or what he's going to say or how he's going to act. Uh, which is which I kind of like. I, I don't mind that, and the other actors like it too. You know, uh, Mike Bisping on on Triple Threat found him absolutely fascinating, and and they, they, the the two of them hit off, which was the last thing I thought was going to happen. You know, and then on this one, uh, he was with Peter Franzen a lot, and even Peter came up to me and said, "My God, he's an interesting fellow." I said, "Yeah, just just go for it." You know, he never really breaks character, so he was that he was that Celtic warrior, even when he ran into the, in the hotel room. You know, it's. I like people like that. They they kind of you know they kind of keep the thing going. You know they they uh, there's you know for for them as something more than playing a part. It's it's watching watching out for me for his friend and making sure that it felt authentic and 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 uh, that as a warrior in Celtic times, he was very similar to the warrior that he was in the French Foreign Legion, which <laughs> which I I thought was great. And I just had him speak in French because I thought you know it's, it's sort of interesting that you know to have a different language being spoken in there. And, Peter also spoke French, so I don't know. Neither French or English were being spoken at that point in history, anyway. So it's all—it was—it's you know—it's just—it's something that makes it feel a little more exotic. Uh, but no, I love him to pieces. But the, the interesting—you know—that that shot in Hell Hath No Fury where he was professing his love to Nina in the film, and and it's absolutely un, unwarranted at that point. And and Nina slapped him for real. None of us knew that was going to happen. It was something she chose to do because she wanted to see how, how in character he was. And he absolutely did not break character. In fact, it, I think he almost started crying in the scene because it, it, it got, he got even deeper into it. It was, a, it was a, an amazing thing. And I kept that take in the picture. So if you ever want to go back and see, you know, that, that flash of, of realism, it's, it's there. Well, that was actually one of the first times I, I, for me, I started paying attention to your name. It was way back when, uh, when you did Pit Fighter. And because right. you captured there's I know you guys had done you've done you'd done the doorman before that, but I didn't see that until way, way later. Um, but in Pit Fighter, you captured that. And I knew a little bit about Dominic's story. Uh, you captured that intensity from him so well that like he actually and this is the best compliment I can give him. He he makes me almost uncomfortable to watch because he is so intense and it's an intensity that can't be faked. It's an intensity that comes from, like you said, the life that he lived that, you know, and in the world of action stars, 
you know, so many people, even Scott will be the first to admit, you know, he's a screen fighter. He is not a, he is not an actual warrior. Like so many yeah. action stars are screen fighters and I love them, but Dominic has an intensity that can only come from, you know, that foreign legion thing. And that just radiates off it. Yeah. And you use him so well every time you have him in a picture. You you capture that intensity so well. I, I love working with him. He's a, he's a dear, dear friend. You know, he's in many ways, he's he's quite vulnerable in the real world. I've always felt that of him because he's very loyal and he's very honest. And this world is not really set up for, especially not the movie industry. It's just not set up for people that that expect, you know, that, that expect honesty and loyalty that, you know, he, he's been let down so many times by people taking advantage. And, and but he still continues to trust and put faith in and and, and be, you know, that you know legio patria nostra you know that 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 sort of you know love and honor above you know above everything else and uh you know I, i'm a i'm a beat up old mercenary of the film industry and i know that half the time people are telling lies when their lips are moving it's just the nature of the business and and i find it amusing and we go on if anything good happens i'm surprised but uh but yeah no i've he, I've I've always felt a slight, you know, like he's a slightly vulnerable soul, you know, even though he can kill you with with his fingers or whatever, and you know, in ten seconds. But but that's not what life is about. We all know that we're adults now. We know that life is really about the pain that you carry with you. Uh, you know, I sleep very soundly at night. I make movies that entertain people. I know Dominic has still has great deal of difficulty because of you know experiences that he had in the past. Uh, and I think you see that in his eyes. You you feel that pain and that vulnerability to a degree, uh, you know, because the, all of the greatest warriors are carrying this burden on their on their on their back. None of them sleep well. You know, it's 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 a tough it's a tough thing to be that action hero that we make movies about in real life. It's just not. It's you know, have you, have you read about any of the ex Delta guys or SEALs or SAS guys? You know, the suicide rate is through the roof. It's utterly. Appalling, you know. It's it's it, you know the way these guys suffer after serving their country, you know. And so for me, I find that I, I find that contrarian and interesting, and you know the basis for drama. And I don't think it's changed much in the in the millennia since Boudicca's time. So he he slotted in pretty well into this one. So I'm glad you guys enjoyed seeing him there. That's that's actually a theme in your work that has all that I've always been impressed by. You you do not do for lack of a better term, glossy action. You know, even when it's it's sort of high-tech action or, or cutting-edge action like Accident Man, you always, your characters always carry this burden of violence with them. Almost every one of your lead characters is massively burdened by the violence, even when they're like Scott in Avengement and that violence is justified and that is righteous violence. He's still... He's destroyed by what he's doing. Boudicca is destroyed yeah. by what she's doing. Well, you know, violence is an interesting thing. We we get off on it, but I don't think you should. I don't think that's what it is. That's not, not our responsibility as filmmakers. You know, uh, when I was younger, I, I, I saw the distinction between John Woo and Sam Peckinpah. Sam Peckinpah was ardent anti-war filmmaker. He hated war. He loathed it with a passion. Uh, he would he 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 would vomit when people told him that they liked the action sequences in the wild bunch. He said you're supposed to be put off by them. You're supposed to be turned off by them. This film is supposed to make you wretch. It's supposed to it's supposed to you know it exemplifies the stupidity and the waste of violence. And you know, 
if you watch the pictures very closely, you'll see that he slows down the action, but also showed the blood hits in real time. It was the action leading up to it and resulting from it that were in slow motion, 72 frames. He never used anything else. You, you watch John Woo and he'd slow down the blood hits and the slowing down of the gore is the tripping point. The slowing down of the gore is when it becomes balletic and beautiful and you're showing it off and you want people to get uh, a kick out of what you're showing them for violence's sake. Now, both films are wonderful, but they represent the different ends of the spectrum of responsibility and of of uh, methodology. So the amateur watching those two films is that was great. They used a lot of slow motion. There was some really cool stuff in both of them, and you know it was really good. It was balletic, and but one of them was anti-war, and the other one was post-war and pushing it, and wanting you to 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 be thrilled with it. Now, Peckinpah, towards the end of his career, lost it. And, you know, things like the killer elite and, and you know, even by Cross of Iron, he's slowing everything down and he's drinking too much and he's doing too much cocaine. And, you know, generally he's lost he's lost the plot a little bit. He's starting to believe his own legend. But you, you watch the early picture, Major Dundee or, or Wild Bunch, and you realize he truly was anti-war, anti-violence. It was something that, that terrified him and he hated it, you know. Uh, and I, I think we have a responsibility as filmmakers not to make people excited by it, not to treat the act of killing as a something that is normal, is, is random. It, 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 you can do it. We all say, oh, God, that guy should be shot or whatever. And, but, but the truth of the matter is it's a terrible thing to take a life. It's an awful thing. You know, and we, we have films like, you know, where people are being killed like stormtroopers. They just run in in black outfits and those guys you can kill because they're baddies. But the truth of the matter is each person that you're going to kill is going to take an enormous toll on you as a human being. Uh, and, and I think it's important to represent that in these movies. They can be more enjoyable. They can feel more visceral and more real and make a lasting, a more lasting impression on you. If the filmmaker takes the time to, to do that, to, to create a scenario where you feel, you know, you, you, if even it's the bad guy you're killing, you're feeling it, you're walking away from it now. Having said that, there's some justified killings in the movies. <laughs> I think Nick Moran is a justified killing in Boudicca. But, uh, but, but, you know, you try, you try and certainly if you're just killing a room full of people that are there, who are they? Why are we killing them? And, you know, is there a way of getting out of it without having to kill them? But anyway, these are things that, 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 do, that do take up time when I'm looking at a script or making a movie and figuring out how to do this in a way that makes sense and, you know, doesn't become lazy, doesn't become lazy filmmaking, you know? Uh, and also has some something of a statement on violence behind it, and I do. You know, I get very upset if I if I have to yell at someone when I'm driving my car. It really upsets me for the whole afternoon. You know, and it's like, why are you upset? You know, but you realise because the adrenaline got high, and it's like, what you know, I you know, all the things that go through your imagination, a particularly dark imagination, and so you know, the thought of actually doing anything for real physically, I'm sure would just, I mean, it would be something that would stay with you for forever. You know? I remember, no, I, no, no, no. I remember uh, 2017 thereabouts, I saw a Savage Dog. I had gotten out the army the year prior. I was in for about 12 years, uh, Iraq, Afghanistan, so forth. And, you know, I'm having a good time with Savage Dog as I'm watching it, but also just kind of this gnawing feeling like what's happening, these kind of, you know, the uh, the characters, the uh, these with the Nazi affiliation and so forth here in this uh, Asian country. And the part where <laughs> where Scott's character digs out Marcos Aurora's liver and eats it, and I was thinking about it, it's a 
as I was watching that scene, I uh, remember, I'm never going to forget, honestly, uh, in Iraq specifically, during the second, uh, first time, they had these special weapons uh, called EFPs, Explosively Formed Penetrators. Basically, it's like a molten copper slug fixed into a, a paint can sort of device that can bore through basically anything known to man. And so I, I'd seen some, um, the aftermath of that, going through a human body. It kind of looks like a wow. hollowed out pumpkin. And so after just having that fresh in my mind and seeing <laughs> seeing him chewing the liver, it, uh, I realized that uh, things like these action movies, like like this and like, uh, you know, The Night Comes For Us, Timo Tejanto's film, like I found that um, uh, directors of your ilk who take this violence seriously while still being entertaining it's a, it's a kind of a uh, catharsis or way to process that real violence because it's it's, it's a it's a relatively safe and contained uh concept a movie it's all, it's all fake but like you can kind of go into those real thematic depths and like things that really happen and kind of transpose that in a i guess positive way it and kind of give it a positive energy so you know it's it's still like fun engaging exhilarating action movie but you're able to like kind of i don't know eat the sin of it all digest it and let it out yeah. a certain way so you know yeah i, I, I that's i kind of want to really like seeing you know, and then with adventure i kind of i'm seeing that you know, that's, a, that's a really important part of your movies that and i think that um but a lot of directors don't get you know i <laughs> i'm i didn't mean to like uh come here like but i kind of am because like after seeing his recent film like he has a similar process where he kind of interrogates that violence and why we love it so much. And you kind of do the same thing um, in, in your own way. Like it's still like, it's, but it's, you know, it's very, even, even deck collectors, like, you know, it's, it's like a fun, this fun brawling movie like this, you know, you know, people like you, I know people like you who, who have been in hard times and um, had to do unsavory things for it that way, just to make a dollar. And you kind of see that, that, uh, you yeah, you know you mentioned the veterans thing like you know a lot of guys that, that I know that are, throughout this past decade or whatever came back didn't have a fucking job didn't have they, they didn't get compensated for VA so like they had to like they ass out you know having to do like uh, uh, not the best things in life to get by so even that yeah. like even that like even that that situation in the film like Dead Collectors the other two of them like you know again it's like a fun exhilarating action and comedy a little bit but it's still processing that very real human disposition situation uh but you know and again in a positive way like to kind of it's kind of an exorcism i guess is the word i'm looking for like after seeing all this stuff and like whoever has gone through that stuff it kind of sits inside of you for a long time and i think like movies, movies like the ones you make kind of help you like get it out of you i don't, I don't know how else to describe it good yeah, and no, it's a cathartic release, hopefully. Yeah. Uh, with Savage Dog, I just, I knew that I, that that revenge had to be better than any other revenge. And I remember reading a book a long time ago. Please, uh, uh There was a film in the late 70s called Jeremiah Johnson. It's one of my favorite movies. Sidney Pollack picture with Robert Redford. The original title of the book that's taken from is Liver Eating Johnson. And the 
Crow family, the Crow tribe of warriors that killed his family, he went after each one, and the plan was to each to eat each of their liver, and it 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 filled them with so much fear that they ended up making truce with him. And I felt, you know what, my, that is, I'm gonna I'm gonna go because it's really noisy. Uh, I'm also losing my battery, guys, unfortunately. Yeah, uh, no, no. But the but the process of of getting revenge has to be something. It has to be something powerful. It has to be something beyond simply killing the guy. And I thought for a long, long time, and really, I, I lifted it from Liver Eating Johnson. I thought that was the, uh, <laughs> I thought that was the best way for him to possibly get revenge to just cut his liver out and eat the damn thing. You know, he'd be, <laughs> if you, for me, it just felt appropriate, and Scott liked it, and uh, so we went with that. But he didn't like the taste of whatever it was the makeup people gave him to eat. He complained about that for days afterwards. I think it was some kind of gel gelatin or something. But it, but yeah, I, I think, you know, there's so many films made about revenge. Uh, when I made that, when I, as I say, actively, that wasn't in the script. That, that was me actively trying to think of what can we do? What can we do to just raise this to the point that no one's seen it before? Again, I didn't know I was making a DTV movie. I thought I was making the greatest action movie ever. And that's, that's how I go into all of these ones. So uh, there's a lot of head scratching and trying to come up with the best way to do this and the best way to do that. Often, you know, you're, you're, your Achilles tendons are slashed by the budget, but uh, you know you still try. You still try and do the best you possibly can. You know, uh, I'm glad you like that. I really am. Uh, but the same with this one. I think it's a, it was very visceral. You know, when she met him on the uh, on the road and, and took his took his intestines out. You know, old Casper Stecchiano. It was very it was visceral. Good. <laughs> I, I think I'm gonna. I'm, I think I'm gonna get cut off in about two okay. minutes because the no. uh, the battery's dying. But very very quick. Uh, I sent the script to Nick Moran. I didn't think he'd want to play it because it's such a bad guy. And he's told me off a couple of times about giving him scripts to play bad guys. He's like, I love working with you, Jess, but I want to play the hero. I want to play the hero, which, you know, I know, I know, Nick, I know. It's like, but just take a look at this one. And he called me back that evening. He said, I'm doing it. I want it. Which, you know, it's, it's Katastachianus, right? And I said, yes. He said, I'm, I'm on it. I'm on it. And, and he, he, he brought this something else to it, energy to the part that, that, I, that took me by surprise. And, about midway through, I think it was, I asked him, I said, what's the deal? What, why, why, this feels like it's actually something very personal to you. And he said, when Ridley Scott was developing uh, Gladiator, they cast Jude Law opposite uh, Russell Crowe. And midway through, Jude said, I don't know who this Australian guy is. I, I don't want to work opposite an unknown. And he quit you know, as, as Commodus. And so for a brief moment, Commodus, the Commodus role in Gladiator was open. And Nick, who'd just done Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels, was up for it. And he learned it inside and out. And he said he did it four, five, six times. He went back and forwards to Ridley, to the whole gang, with Russell. Uh, and he was in, he was in, you know, he was in like Flynn. He was going to play that part. And for six months or five months, whatever it was, he, you know, he thought he was, he was going, you know, they were telling him the dates, they were securing it. And then it all went silent. And of course, Joaquin Phoenix is announced and it, it is what it is and the rest is history. But he, but he said when he got this script, Boudicca, this was his chance to, to put that, put that Commodus that he had prepared, you know, 15, 20 years ago, whatever it is on the screen and just give it a shot. So it made sense. And, and I love him for it because I, I love, I love how bad he is in this, the scene in the, in the cabin where he stamps on the floor and pats the table and, recognizes the architecture as being valuable you know i think it, it's all stuff that nick brings to the part he's so good uh and he worked very very well with olga the two of them i thought were, were wonderful together all good right jesse 
Yeah, we'll we'll let you go because your battery's about to die. We definitely need to get you back on. I feel like we barely scratched the surface of everything that we want to talk to you about. So uh, if you if you're willing, we'd love to have you come back on sometime soon. I'd love to. I'd love to. I'll be back. I think I'm here till December, but I'm not 100 percent sure at the moment. You know, we'll see, yeah, we'll but you got goes. like you got like three other movies coming out next year. So uh, exactly, you, you, every time like you, every time you got a movie probably. coming out, you just come to us. We'll we'll talk about. Yeah, it. We'll yeah, we'll out. get you on. We'll get you on when Cheapest Station <laughs> comes out for sure. So thanks, Jesse. <laughs> thank you very yeah, thank much. You. All thank of you. you. I really appreciate it. Your thought, thoughtful questions and thoughtful study of the movie and my career. It, I, I I'm so chuffed and so complimented. Thank you very much, and best of luck. We'll see you soon. All right, thanks, Jesse. Take care. Cheers. Ah. All right. <laughs> I feel like we're like quasi Atkins undisputed, uh, you know, the last two months, uh, last two weeks, right? It's been yeah, like, yeah, no, yeah. I mean, these were, these were, these were when AU was running. I mean, this was what I wanted to do. I wanted to get these guys on. I just, I didn't have the juice to pull it. Uh, you know, that's, that's why when Jesse was like, well, why have I not been on before? I'm like, dude, you're Jesse V. Johnson. Like, like I thought I'd be able to get you on this show. Like, <laughs> you know, so. Um, that was funny. Cause uh, if you guys are, are listening to this in real time, we're just, we're trying to make up what the fuck we were going to do at the beginning. Uh, Cause Jesse was a little bit late uh, and he was on a scout. And we're like, all right, we'll just wing another fucking episode. And then I look down and it says like, Jesse is uh, is on. And, I, um, and so then poof, another hour goes by and here we are. <laughs> Vice, you okay over there? How you doing? Uh, <laughs> I, I, I kind of, I kind of revealed my hand where my mind is at as I was talking to him. I didn't mean to like um, come in here and like, compared Jesse V. Johnson to Mark Scorsese, as I said before, but I just, I can't get it. He, well, he just did. That was like a cameo, a Marty cameo. And he just blew us out the water. Now he's gone. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, I can't he's believe what just Rome. happened. He's literally in Rome. With the yeah, I, I can't believe what just happened. Like that, <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I mean, that's what we were, we were talking yesterday about, like, what movies, and I, I didn't get to just sit there and, and talk about uh, Debt Collectors and, and beg for Debt Collectors 3, but uh, like I said, we'll we'll try to get it back on. But yeah, like since, I think it's 2017, which is saying around Savage Dog, the guy has just been, it's like two to three movies a year for, you know. 20, yeah, we... 2019, for people who don't remember, 2019, Jesse had... Uh, Triple Threat, Avengement, and The Mercenary come out in one year. And all three of those are certified bangers. I know I know some people think Triple Threat, they wished it would be more. But again, if you know, and I know Jesse said the movies still have to stand on their own. He doesn't want to talk about budgets. But if you know what the budget and the shooting days of Triple Threat are, you know, Larnell talked last week about how that last fight between Eco, Tony, and Scott, they had like, a day to shoot that you know like so again yeah the man is just banger after banger he just does not miss and uh, i think we have to go we have to go, like, go back to day zero with this guy like i i i didn't again i'm sorry to say i kind of feel ashamed about it, that i didn't realize the uh the depths of his like cinematic history like before because he's a mortal combat as a pa like he he's been yeah, in this yeah. game for, for a minute like and he i'm 
you can just tell he has so much stories to tell about that kind of stuff, like Philip Tan level stuff. Like this is like this guy's serious. Like this is a, I, I, I want to take advantage of this resource to the fullest whenever we can. So we definitely have him back come back and just like kind of talk talk to Biz for a while, man. Jesus Christ. Yeah, he wow. also he also directed a movie in the uh for those who don't know, in what I call the John Wick cinematic universe. Uh, or, or I guess maybe the Derek Kolstad cinematic universe. He directed the package with Stone Cold and Dolph Lundgren. And uh, that movie, much like William Kaufman's One in the Chamber, if you watch it knowing it's written by Derek Kolstad, that movie 100% takes place in the same universe as John Wick. It, is it one of the guys named John Wick? Uh, is it? I can't remember. Yeah, well, yeah, one, one of the characters is named John Wick. He, like, yeah. he just straight up was like, yeah, that's a good name. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, so because that's that's what I, I love Derek's movies, because they all even though they've all got different production companies and all this sort of stuff, they all you can just fill it. You fill the same thing. So and the package is actually really damn good. One, probably my favorite Stone Cold Steve Austin movie. So if people haven't seen that, they need to check that one out. Um, yeah, I mean, but Vice, it, it was stunts on Mortal Kombat, like you said, fucking Starship Troopers, Total Recall. Like, that's Jesus what I, I mean, like we could have just. We could have just been like, all right, let's start with the first decade of your career. And, yeah. And then just go decade by decade. So, uh, yeah. And I also, I mean, I know that just to address this, I think it's it's really refreshing that he's just like, we'll just tell you his opinions about things in a way that I think a lot of more modern filmmakers, even like me, are uh, a little bit scared and, uh, and will kind of uh, couch things. He's just like, eh, I don't think that person's as good with this person as they are with me. I was like, whoa, <laughs> uh, you know, I like that. You know, like th that, that's a little bit more honest of a discussion, like when directors and filmmakers and, and film fans, when, whenever they hang out together, that's what people are saying. You know, it's never quite as sanitized as you want to be in public discourse because you don't want to ruffle any feathers, but like, hey, this guy's fucking, I'll ruffle, ruffle him up a bit. I like that. <laughs> well, that's what I love about this. You know, sorry, folks, if you're listening, we're, we're going to we're going to blow ourselves here for a minute. We're, we're very, <laughs> very happy right now. Um, we've had a good run on this show the last few weeks and the last couple of months. But uh, I just I like that we are able to get people on outside of the purview of PR and representation. And, and we're able to just. We've made these connections where we're able to just get them on because I feel like their guard's not up as much, um, you know, and and we were talking, a bunch of people were talking about this with Larnell last week that, you know, he's such a natural foreign storyteller. And and this is one of the things I first learned way back when I first met Scott and then when I met you, Liam, um, these guys, all these VOD, DTV, indie action guys, stunt people, the choreographers, the directors, you all have stories to tell and you're all natural at it. Nobody's fucking asking. you, And so I am so glad that we have this as modest as our little platform is here, a place where we can ask those questions. We can ask people to tell those stories. Um, you know, I mean, the fact that people aren't sitting down with Philip Pan every day to like, just the fact that somebody's not writing an autobiography with Philip Tan doing like an interview with a vampire thing, you know, just sitting down with a recorder <laughs> is mind blowing to me. Uh, you know, so yeah. Um, anyway, 
I don't think we should talk about anything else this week. Vice, I do want to hear your thoughts on Flowers of the Killer Moon, but I think we come back and do that next week. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I'm kind of, wow. I was like, we're going to be have an in-depth discussion today. No, I'm, I'm fucking, woo, woo. Yeah. Got my yeah. mom low today. Shit. Um, <laughs> and Liam, you're you're out tomorrow? I'm out tomorrow, guys. So, um, but yeah, you know, we, we did it. Uh, yeah yeah i'm not i'm not worried about the the time frame i just uh, i just want to make sure yeah so you're heading you're heading to indonesia tomorrow uh we will wish you the best of luck we will not say anything more about it because we no but you know i think soon and um yeah i mean there was there was a lot that i wanted to ask him too um about the scheduling thing because that you know a lot of the times when people say what, what he was saying about oh there's so much lying in this industry it's like it really is true and it is the hardest part because people are always saying yes to everything and then you know it gets kind of uh it comes out in the wash as they say um and it, it's it's a part that um the agents and the lawyers are so comfortable with lying <laughs> and if you're like a normal decent person you're like what is happening right now and then they're just like okay with it it's 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 like a totally different um way of communicating that, that I still will never get used to. It makes life very stressful. But um yeah that 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 was a uh, that was that was great man. I'm really excited. Like yeah I, I see what, I see what you mean by like do you, do you appreciate his candor that much more because what you have to deal with all the time. So that yeah that yeah 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 and he's he's uh yeah he's he's a real inspiration and also you know I kind of I I I, I agree with the 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 humbleness of, uh, I'm not an incredibly intellectual person. I mean, I've always kind of said like, you know, the only thing you can control is how hard you work. You know what I mean? Like you can't, you can't like be like, I'm going to be smarter. (laughs) (laughs) But, but that, that all said, the amount of insight we get in that, what, 45 minutes of that? Yeah. I mean, that's what I mean. Look, that's the British thing, right? Like, uh, you know, he's trying, he's trying to like, you know, be, be humble and, and, uh, and kind of knock down the praise as much as he could. But at the same time, yes, that there was an incredibly intellectual answer about the depiction (laughs) of violence that was not, like us that are just like, I don't know, man, it's fucking cool. So, uh, you know, I, 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 but I, but I do, I do agree with that, that like every time there's been um, like real issues in, in movies or uh, on set, and it's, it's a little bit like in life in general, where I'm just like, the only way through this is for me to work harder. And I like that that was kind of at the, at the bottom, like that kind of blue collar roll your sleeves up you just got to work, you know, the only way out is through. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, that, that, that's kind of how I like to think about things as well. So, well, yeah. well, and you have something kind of similar, which is, you know, you've only made two movies, three counting portals. Um, but, uh, you have actors that like to come back and work two with movies. You. <laughs> <laughs> you you have actors that like to come back and work with you too, you know, and that, that to me is one of my favorite, when I see people, like Jesse, like you, um, you know, like John Hyams, who who get the same people who want to come back and work with them again and again and again and again. And you know it ain't because not 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 that I'm saying that Leo doesn't love working with with Scorsese, but you know, Leo's also getting paid 20 million dollars or whatever it is to work with Scorsese. When it's guys working with the budgets that you're working with, 
you know they're only coming back because they like and respect you and like working with you. And that's because you work that much harder than everybody else. And I think it inspires them. So, um, I mean, the potential well, the potential lead actor of your project that you're going to work on now, uh, let's be honest, has no business to really work with you again other than <laughs> they really, really want to, right? Like... <laughs> No business. Well, no, but I, I, what I'm saying is he probably has a lot of projects he could choose from. There's a reason he's choosing yours. Because mine's the best. Damn right exactly. it is. Damn, Damn right it is. And you're the best, Liam O'Donnell. You are the best. Uh, all right, boys. Let's, my, my, let's... I'll just say one thing about the project. It is it is the hookup the movie. And so <laughs> I, I think I think that'd be a fun thing because I was telling you guys is the first thing that I I've been rewriting and, and attached to things since this show started, but this is the first thing that kind of like came up with, put together everything after being on this show for two plus years. And it, it's a little bit of a action for everyone thesis statement. So I'm really excited to try to get that out into the world. Um, so yeah, thank you guys for, for holding me accountable uh, and to, to be somewhere every Sunday morning to learn and talk about action movies because i think it's it's made a big difference uh in the way i approach these things it's 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 made me have to intellectualize let's keep it keep it all on the thing the, the things that i feel you know what i mean because before yeah. it was like a lot of instinct it's like what do i want to see what do i want to depict what do i want to do and now it's like well if you you're watching all these other things and you're talking about what you like and what you don't like and it it, it kind of forces you to uh, really analyze, you know, your own opinions and your own desires and, and, uh, and, and, and focus. So again, uh, thank you. And, uh, and thanks anybody who has had any enjoyment actually listening to this. So, uh, appreciate it. Vice, where can people find you? Oh, uh, I finally updated my letterbox at Vice Fictus. So I had the past uh, month or so of movies I was kind of liking. So I've won reviews, Paw Patrol, uh, uh, Mass Commission, all that stuff. I'll put my review for um go to the Far Moon up there soon. Uh Instagram, uh looking hot at my fitness. You got, got yo, I'm midnight gym. It's, that's the place, man. That's the move. At the gym, 2 a.m. Nobody there. I got all the benches to myself. Get my get my swole on. Yeah, I'm getting back. I'm, I finally got back to I was sick for a while. Well, sick like not in good shape. I finally got back to my um standard uh 225 squat, 235 deadlift, you know, small numbers, small numbers, but like you know, I'm old man. That's like it's like good solid. Place to be at. So yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm feeling better. It's a good better. feeling. It's a great yeah. feeling. And as always, until this shit blows up, one of us dies, or fucking they stop paying and charge money for it. I'm on Twitter at this talking all this shit. Liam, where where can people find you? Uh, on the on the A free Discord first and foremost workout corner every day, and um and Instagram um uh yeah Liam Oden Instagram. I uh. I did want to say about the Discord, I just realized this week that, uh, you know, we always put invites and I always tell people to reach out to us on Twitter. But the reality is we have a lot of listeners who aren't on Twitter. So uh, the Discord, you can reach out to us on Twitter. Uh, Max just posted a new invite to his Twitter feed, ODS, ODST Spartan. He posted a new invite today. That's good. Get on it. Reach out to me through DMs. But also email me at a4epod at gmail.com if you want an invite and you're hearing this and you're not on Twitter. Um, 
just email me at that and I'll hook you up with an invite. So uh, again, that is the place to be. We love it there. Uh, you can follow the show at Linktree slash A4E podcast. You can follow me personally at Hibachi Justice on Twitter and Letterboxd, uh, although I don't post much other than comparing Avengement to Boudica. I'm telling you, <laughs> action stars, if you're listening, let Jesse, especially if you're one of the beautiful people, let Jesse fuck up your face and give you metal teeth and you will give the performance of your career. There is no <laughs> doubt in my mind you will give the performance of your career. Um, yeah, so, all right, boys, love you. Let's do this again next week. Liam, you make sure to fly safe, my friend. Get there safe. Thank you. Okay? Thank you. All right. All right. Good travel. Cheers. Peace.